Hello, 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 and thank you for joining me on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Kareem Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And we're at episode 26. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> One of those little go. self-imposed milestones. One little fanfare right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty <laughs> much the way I want to have it set up is every 26 episodes, we're going to cut it out of the season. So the transition from between this episode and next episode... We're going to be adding a bunch of stuff, you know, you'll notice hopefully a significant change and improvement in quality is the goal. (laughs) Not all changes are improvements, but we're going for the uh, (laughs) for the improvement. And and uh, so, yeah, uh, I hope uh, you guys enjoy that. So look forward to um, to that. I just want to start off by saying we recently had the the uh memorial of the year passing of of nipsey hustle so r.i.p wow, that's been a year already yeah man time Time's flies flying. yeah that's crazy and look at that look we back in the neighborhood we in the neighborhood now you know what i mean like <laughs> it really fucking I, I was really thinking you know the other day like I would have loved to be able to connect because i think that he would see a lot of value in what we're doing especially because it's not a lot of times you can see a bunch of hood niggas who could get together and just have conversation. You know what I mean? Niggas could right, rap, yeah, niggas yeah. could cipher, niggas could clown, we could have jokes. But I would love to 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 see his angle on building something like this, something more conversational. You know what I mean? Because you yeah, can see definitely. he saw the value in things like this because he's been like on Vlad TV and Rap Radar and Breakfast Club since last ten years. He's been he's been making his rounds, so he saw the 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 value of this space and i would love to see if you would be willing to work on something like that but yeah say la vie you know what i mean r.i.p resting eternally um but yeah anyway moving on from that um so some of the things to look forward to for next season new intro outro music there we go yeah that's i'm looking forward to that man because we have a lot of of really good contributors People, you know, really talented artists who are giving us some, you know, giving us some some gifts to to share with the people. Got some hot beats, man. Yeah, yeah, saying? yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll be working on. So something I want to do is I want to do episode art for each episode just to to mix it up. Um, I think that that'll be something that'll be entertaining. Try to find uh, relevant and humorous uh, art to to maybe meme and put up as episode art but yeah <laughs> well you gotta make your own for that yeah that's what I'm saying I wanna, that's, I'm wanna. i making that that's what I'm saying it's gonna let me custom come on man come on <laughs> you man you said fine that's the only reason why I said oh that. images but yeah you gotta find the image <laughs> to meme it you know what I mean gotcha but yeah uh, we're gonna do YouTube clips it's gonna start out just with um, you know the audio uploaded to YouTube which is a lot more difficult than I realized uh, to begin with I thought it would be I thought it would, uh, it would have happened a lot, a lot longer uh, ago, but unfortunately, it requires certain programs and licensing that I don't possess, so yeah. I had to get that in line. Yeah, and um, when you're putting up videos that are like over an hour, it's the storage space gets a little like ridiculous. Yeah, well, stuff, we're so. going to have to cut them up, too. So we'll, when I upload to YouTube, it will, it will culminate to a full episode, but I'll probably upload it in either 15 to 20-minute clips, oh, depending sure, on, you sure. know, what's appropriate. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if I yeah. have a good topic and it's a little bit shorter, I might just segregate that so get and upload that individually. You know, and sequence them somehow. But I'll think of a nice way to do it. But look forward to that for the next season. Yeah, that sounds dope. Yeah, and I, you know, what I want to do is, um, I also want to do to do a like a 
more of a local oriented segment in each of my episodes. So moving forward, you know, towards the end of each episode, I'm going to wrap up with, you know, more local fare. You know what I mean? Yeah, Stuff yeah, that's yeah. going on around town, hopefully. Because I want to try to build up that following because I realize that learning from my man Nip, build up the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like if you can get a good neighborhood buzz, that'll generate the numbers that'll validate you moving forward. So I'm trying, yeah, trying man, to build, to build properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This has all been practice. <laughs> Building up for, for the grander uh, kind of programming that I want to do. But yeah. Now, one thing I will do is, is that for the first 26 episodes, I'm going to start... Um, those are going to be posted with ads in them now. So moving forward, all the current episodes... So the current, you know, what I call a season, the 26 episode block will always be ad free. But as we transition to the to the next season, that's I'll add ads to the um, to the prior season's episodes. So if you if you're not all caught up, definitely try to catch up as quickly as you can so that uh, if you're missing any episodes um, from before, because, there's you know, they're going to have ads or wait for the ads. I, mean, I, I hope they're not too <laughs> intrusive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool, though. But yeah, so that's, that's just some really of the cool. stuff that we're working on uh, moving forward, moving forward. That's what's up. But yeah, I want to do something a little special this episode. Um, there's some topics that we'll get to later on. But I just want to start out, you know, for those of you who actually listened to us over the course of these 26 episodes, I don't know all of you. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm very happy to say that the viewership numbers show that more than just the people that I told to listen to this. Which is very gratifying to me because, you know, I, I'm glad that people find some value in what we're doing here because it's only going to keep getting better. But for those of you who have stuck with us for a while, you might not know much of, of me and Rico because we're not particularly celebrity personalities. I'm not. You know what I mean? I don't know what Rico was doing prior. To, I didn't I'm know that. in these streets. It's like, nah. But, um, yeah, you know, I just wanted to, to take some time this episode give you background on myself, you know, Rico could divulge as deeply as he was to into his personal life. <laughs> but um, yeah, and that's something that I want to do is I want to start growing with you guys um, on a more personal level. So I wanted, I'm going to try to not just talk about current events, but address things that I come up, that I, I come by in life. You know, kind of what I talked about originally on that, that, that original pilot episode, like things that I come up in life that just might need a hot take or two. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Maybe not a current event, but something that I know is uh, might pop up in other people's lives, maybe at different times. You know what I mean? Yeah, a little food for thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. All that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll start out with myself. Um, I was born and raised Long Island, New York, Strong Island. You know what I mean? <laughs> doing it big, doing it big as we do. But um, yeah, Lakeview, that's how we do. You know, and I I had a very typical um, first generation American upbringing. Both of my parents uh, immigrated from New York. I remember being relatively pretty young. I want to I, I want to say I was in like this age range of around seven because I think my brother was close to ten when my parents got their citizenship, and I remember it being a pretty big deal. Actually, nah, I think it was even older. I think I was older than that because I, I, I want to say that I remember them studying for their citizenship test <laughs> and, ha and and knowing some of the answers. Yeah. You know what I mean? But nah, yeah. actually, I think I was I was still pretty young, but I was always 
I was a very present of mind child. You know what I mean? I paid little attention to, uh, to a lot of things. And my dad, um, growing us, raising us, <clears throat> had two very exhaustive encyclopedias <laughs> sets. You know what I mean? One was just like a, a text encyclopedia. I think it was um, it was a Britannica. And he had another, like, another one that had pictures in it that uh, was a Grolier's encyclopedia set. And, you know, those things, like, he he imparted a lot of knowledge on us growing up from, you know, by keeping those things around us. And so growing up in Lakeview was was a very formative thing, you know what I mean? Because Lakeview was an interesting suburb you know and and understanding a little bit of that will probably lead to a little bit of a deeper understanding of how i've come to to be who i am because lakeview was was a real interesting place you know what i mean yeah well it, no <laughs> well you, you'll understand by the end of these stories but um now because i grew up in the early 80, uh, late 80s early 90s mm-hmm. in lakeview and they had just done a you know in the early 90s the crime bill had uh when it, i think it passed in 94 either 94 or 96 but anyway when it passed it really cleaned up the streets a lot but then what ended up happening is is that it it really left a huge void you know what i mean and my generation was growing up without a real like the generation after us wasn't very mindful of us you know what i mean like the big kids you know what i mean because <laughs> yeah. you got the young kids and you got the big kids because the adults are usually you know it's a communal setting and you know so i was always kept out of the out of that that environment my brother was more out in the streets running around <laughs> gallivanting doing his thing and so being raised in that environment um i was i was offered a lot of time to myself to say the least and so i think that's how i really started developing my my nerdy streak it was very early <laughs> i knew very early you know what i mean like people say they they knew what they were very early i knew very early <laughs> that i wasn't like a jock like i think i've talked about my experiences trying to play like football as a kid and it was it it, would, it didn't end well for me. Like I it, it very quickly dawned on me. Like I much rather not be outside playing football, getting hurt, doing all that stuff. I much rather chill inside where my parents don't like they don't worry. You know what I mean? Like when you're outside, God forbid you're five minutes late. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, that's and, for sure. You know how it is as a kid. Your parents always set the curfew right when shit is getting hot. Yeah. You know what course, I mean? Definitely. That's exactly why they did that shit. And so yeah, you know, make sure you get home before the streets turn up. Yeah. So I, I found a you know I, I learned to 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 be inside. You know what I mean? But I still had a lot of friends. You know, through school that were out you know what i mean doing their things in the streets and so i was exposed i was able i was able to get a taste of it you know what i mean that's why i always just that's a little what, taste i call myself street adjacent you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, because yeah. the thing is that i all of the negative things that were told to me about the like the street life never rung true to me because i knew the people in the street life and the people in the street life were 
they respected me enough not to let me get into the street life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like they've always been appreciative of of what I brought to the table. Not everyone respected me. Don't get it twisted. I'm not <laughs> saying that my that my time was idyllic. You know what I mean? I got I being somebody who has as much heart as I do and and the stature that I have, I got into a lot of fights and laws. You know what I mean? And so I'm not trying to to make it seem like it was it was an awesome, but it was it was good. It was character building. And that's why I forgot I there was a, a comedian who's who who made that that comment that like all the shitty stuff that happens to poor kids, that he just calls it character building. And I was I like, feel like that's Bill Bear. Th- that's great. And I think it was like a a, a black dude. I want to say it was a black dude. Oh. <laughs> but um, it does sound like a very Bilber esque joke. But um, nonetheless, no. I, 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 and I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful that I got to experience that from a safe distance. You know what I mean? Because I had a lot of dudes. Who, yeah, no. Because I had, and not for nothing. Good thing I didn't like. I realized that part of the problem is is that when you are young and you have you know, the power to run around and do as you wish. That's not a good thing. It was very good that I was restrained. I was not responsible with my intellect. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, because growing up, a lot of people um, confuse um, intellectual maturity with, with social maturity. And it's not the same thing. Definitely not. I, I was way smarter than I was mature. It was, it was it, the, dis, the, the gulf between the two was, was deceptively large. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, you know, growing up and being in hindsight, looking at that, I was glad that the environment played out the way it did for me. But yeah, so I grew up in, I would say lower middle class suburb um, of Lakeview. Now, mind you, it's right next to Hempstead. And I think Hempstead is a little bit more known nationwide because, um, Hempstead is Hempstead's got some of the most interesting characters that you will ever meet. Um, it, it, it's it's a, it's a crazy place, but um, yeah. Uh, I was so I grew up in that environment. Circumstance, familial circumstances are what they were, and so I ended up moving to Florida for high school. Now, that was another very formative environment. And, and one thing I will say is um, growing up in New York, I was in very close proximity to my grandmother um, who had a who had a very she had a very large impact, like most people's grandparents do on their life. Um, and one thing that, that, that she left with me that I ended up taking with me for the rest of my life just through happenstance was her her love of botany. Because growing up, she would teach me things about the plants and I being a sponge, I picked it up, but I never cared about it, and I never thought. <laughs> like, and it was one of my first life lessons. You know what I mean? When I when I realized that all of that knowledge I had learned then was now going to be useful in my future, <clears throat> and 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 why it's always good to retain knowledge, whether you find the value in it at the time that you receive it or not. True. Sometimes people are telling you like, "What the fuck does that have to do with me?" You're right. At the moment, it might have nothing to do with you, but you never know when that could be a useful tool in the future. And so I I mentioned my grandmother for that reason, um, because later on in my life, it comes up. And also my grandmother, who is deceased now, her name is Sheila Heron uh, Robertson. So 
just to give you guys an idea of where the name Heron's home came from, it's an homage to my grandmother. I'm pretty sure that everyone's like, where the fuck does he get this stupid ass name from? <laughs> well, there's a little bit of a real veal uh, tea for that. It's um, like it's like a secret origins of Heron's home right there. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. You gotta yeah. hear episode 26 to really know where <laughs> where it was born. Deep cuts. Thank you. There you go. But um, yeah. So now I'm in Florida, and uh, it's funny because this the education system in New York is so much more progressive than the education system in Florida. That when I went to high school, I had already finished the curriculum that they had for the majority of the math and English that is required in 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 Florida and in the sciences as well, because I had already been taken biology and chemistry before I had gotten to Florida. And so those are high school uh, classes there. So I had a lot of free periods in my schedule Mm -hmm. and so they asked me to fill it with something and so just out of uh happenstance they had horticulture horticulture which is the vocation of botany and so i was like yeah you know what i already know a bunch about that it must that'll be a super easy class and so i took it and that actually set me on a path that benefited me benefited me for a very long time because um, I met a teacher there, Rob Bob Caps. I also t- <laughs> met this nigga there too. By the way, this is <laughs> we don't directly meet. It's funny because me and Rico actually went to high school in Florida together, yeah. but we never actually hung out. We 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 were in each other's presence in the hallways and then yeah. a few times at a mutual friend's house. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to <laughs> D Train. Yeah. Shout out to to D Man. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. <laughs> But um, at that time, I, I met Robert Caps, who you're probably familiar with yeah, as just a teacher at Plant. Yeah. And by the way, I went, <laughs> I went to Plantation High Feel in me? Plantation, where yeah. our <laughs> mascot was the Colonels. Feel me? Oh man, yeah. the racism was deep. It was super, <laughs> super deep in that place. Uh, Plantation High. Yeah, it, it, that that place. Plant let me sucks. tell you. Um. That left a, a scar. But anyway, um, meeting Robert Caps, who was the horticulture teacher there, uh, I guess he noticed he's a good teacher. And so good teachers recognize good students. And so having picked up on the fact that I had a background already in some in some horticulture, uh, he kind of took me under his wing and pretty much taught me everything I know about cultivation, um, which I then turned into my my vocation later on in life um but you know it's a skill that to this day i'm grateful to have um it's one of the few things that in the apocalypse i will bring to the table to full bear <laughs> and you know what i mean no no, no yo don't you take it for granted bruh bruh you'd be surprised how for me it comes very naturally i don't think it's difficult but for for people who don't have experience growing they are, it is it is a wonder for them that you could put something in the ground and then something pops out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And not for nothing, alchemy. It's really slow alchemy. It is. And but you know what it is? It it, it is um it's a practice of patience, you know, but it, it is a skill. It does you do have to know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, it's very easy to do poorly. 
<laughs> it's one of those kind of things. But um, yeah, just going back to the, to to the life story, um, that turned my time at plantation into something productive because otherwise that would have been a complete waste of my time. So for the three years that I spent at plantation, I went through a vocational study in which I learned the actual practice of horticulture, not just you know the 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 highly effective Jamaican remedies that my grandmother <laughs> taught me. But so again, I decide and mix it up and make it go on. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, having uh, gone through three years of that, I actually went through the early admissions program and I was able to enter into one of our local universities um, after my junior year. And so I went to college and I started studying biology. I remember that. Oh yeah. And um, that was, that was, that was interesting. Um, I definitely, once again, my intellectual maturity got, got me into a, uh, a situation that my social maturity was not prepared for. <laughs> Um, I managed to, I excelled Life at lessons. all of my, my, my core biology classes, all of the classes that I already, <laughs> that they already knew that I was going to do well in. I did, uh, very poorly in anything that wasn't highly monitored. <laughs> any, any teacher that did not, did, that, that didn't uh, take into so account that I was transitioning directly from junior year of high school. Yeah, they were like, no, nah, I don't got no time for this shit. Just fail. I don't. I'm not waiting for you. <laughs> like, damn it. You know, you know, it is. It is a tough transition from high school to college. You know what I mean? And and not for nothing. None of the. I know so many people who've gone to college who've never imparted any information about the college experience to me. Like, I have no fucking clue what. It, I know what it was like for my brother to go to college because I know that he pledged, and that's about it. My sister, also a college graduate, have no idea. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. it's not like I had people, you know, who were shepherd me, shepherding me under their wing and saying, hey, this is what the college yeah. life is like. Be careful of this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? All And and that's the funny part is that they're all people who who fell on their faces and, then, like, and had to get back up and be like, man, I wish somebody would have told me that that crack was right there, man. <laughs> I would have stepped over it. And then... But didn't have any fucking mind to say, hey, by the way, dude behind me, watch out for that crack. But anyway, yeah. I so, you, you know, I, I had a t I made a rough go of it, but, you know, I came out the other side of it and I continued on studying. I, I have so many post-grad college credits. It's ridiculous because at this at at one point I was just taking classes just for fun. And then um, so. I go through, I finish out my associates. Um, but before I finish my biology degree at FAU, I start taking a few classes at FIU in agricultural science, because at the time, this was early 2000s, um, George Bush Jr. was in office and he had passed the, um, the regulations on stem cell research, which was a mainstay of the studies that I was doing in college at the time. And so they actually shut down a bunch of our classes. You know what I mean? They were like, sorry, guys, these classes aren't going to be offered anymore next semester. So, you know, if you, you know, you're going to have to find a new path for your uh, of curriculum for whatever concentration that you guys are in. And so I was like, fuck. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> I've never actually pondered that. And so that's when I decided to go back into agricultural science. You know, so I went, I diverted from biology to 
back into agricultural science because that's where my vocation was already. And so I took some classes at FIU for that. Um, but at that time, I was working at, that's when I started working at KLMA. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Internet management. And that was another interesting time in my life. Yeah, the place was. I wasn't there during the with the good times with you. Were the there. good time, man. Right. You know, back on Sunny Isles, man. Woo, the good time. <laughs> but yeah, and and so I actually did pretty well there. I was doing a lot of things on the side there that I won't incriminate myself on the mic <laughs> talking about, but. You know, that time there was, was, was very lucrative for me. And, and I grew a lot as a person, but, um, I ended up getting some opportunities that allowed me to, to go to California. California. And actually right around when I was, started college was when I first started getting involved in activism pretty heavily, because that was during the first Iraq war in 2002. And I remember on campus. They, it was just some random, you know, one of, you know, I was one of the few black kids on campus. And I remember uh, one of the other few black girls on campus came and asked me, hey, you know, we're actually going to hold a little rally out here to protest, you know, the war. You know, you do me a favor and make me a mix CD. And I was <laughs> like, of course I can make you a mix CD, girl. Get you all the protest music uh, you need. And not for nothing, I made a fire-ass mix CD, bro. It was a fire-ass protest. It. it was a fire it. protest CD. <laughs> um, it had Bobby Lon chant. Yo. <laughs> Yo, that shit, bro, it was such a good CD, man. Yo. But anyway. That man put some heart and soul into this mix CD. <laughs> but I mentioned that only to say at that rally, I had kind of my first spark of class consciousness awareness kind of spark up and it's weird man because it's really weird because it, it was a white girl that that really kind of that really kind of was like how do you feel she was asking my opinion on something and of course being completely ignorant to the world around me i gave her an opinion that was you know very immature and so she she kind of screw faced me and was like, that's really your opinion? Woke Becky wasn't having Yo, it. Nah, woke Becky put me kind of in my place. Um, nah, man, I've said some ignorant shit in my past, bro. Nah, man, not for nothing, man. Pre-20s career, bruh, the fuck was wrong with that kid? He really thought racism was over in the world. Like, nah, I was dumb. I was a real idiot kid. But yeah, nah, it helped. It, it challenged a lot of my ideas of class and race in America. And, you know, for a 17-year-old kid, that was really, that was really moving. But it definitely set me on a better trajectory because, you know, over the arc of, of my life, I was able to, to really grow and contribute to movements that I felt were, were serious. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've contributed to, to movements like Occupy, um, the anti, uh, the anti, uh, bombing of Syria campaign that was going on, you know, just various, I, you know, I can show up, I know how to organize, I know how to contribute, you know what I mean? And I don't ever do that shit with like a, Hey, it's me. And I'm bringing, no, I'm just want to be greasing the wheels, bro. Because that's really what I find. The average person doesn't understand that those wheels of change only turn when we all contribute a little bit. 
You know what I mean? It's not about everyone going and 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 being like a Talib because that's I love Talib. He's amazing. And and whenever there's something going on and there's a big movement and they need a, a pro-black articulate voice, Talib's there talking. But don't let that overshadow the fact that there's you know, 1,500 people behind Talib forming a crowd, giving credence to his words. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, the the roar of the crowd lifts his voice. You know what I mean? And uh, and I love to be part of that. You know, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of pride to be had uh, for people who can say they 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 that they've contributed in that measure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, that I mentioned that point in my life because that was the first time that I had ever you know, organized in public, you know what I mean? And actually just seeing organizing and how it happens, especially because um, it was funny because during that first protest that they organized that I was making that CD for that girl, um, I remember I was invited. I, well, I wasn't invited. I went with her to a student council meeting and just listened to them talk about like, oh, well, if you guys want to gather, you need permits and all of this stuff. Things that you wouldn't imagine having to to do if you're just like, yo, I got a hundred niggas who want to say that they don't like something and we want to say it in public. So we're just going to go gab. No, you can't just do that. Even in the early 2000s, you couldn't do that, which, you know, moving forward 10 years in my life, then to see Occupy Wall Street happen and then they crack down even further. I, I've watched and this is why then you come to today. Why I'm like, yo, whatever, whatever happens and. And whatever civil liberties you give up at any moment for any reason will not be garnered back. Because in 2001, it was because of terrorism and weapons of mass destruction. And in, in 2012, it was because of imminent global economic collapse. And in 2018, it's going to be because of a pandemic. But over the course of my life, I've seen a lot of rights get taken away. And I've not seen a lot of rights be given to people. So... You know, I just wanted to kind of bring that full circle because I know that you guys hear me sit here and soapbox a lot about shit that I probably don't have the right to talk about. But I have the life experience and the the vision to see what what's happened over time. You know what I mean? And so that's why I, I talk the way I do about those kind of things. But anyway, back to the story at hand. <laughs> um, I'm, I do very well at KLMA Internet Management and... So, uh, you know, not I do well with that as a cover <laughs> for what I'm doing. And so I get an opportunity to move to Oakland. Um, I have uh, a friend who wants to bring me into an, a large scale warehouse operation because he needs somebody with certain botanical skills <laughs> and a certain propensity to be you know, discreet and anonymous when he needs to be. <laughs> and so, you know, I, at the time I was like, you know what, even if I, even if I, I took the next year off and did nothing, I'd be all right. It'd be good. So this is, this is a learning experience. Let's go, let's go take some time and see what we could build. And so that's how I made my way to, to California. And I lived in, in Oakland during Occupy which was it was an interesting time. It was I would have to say that Oakland is probably now it's my second favorite city. It <laughs> used to be my favorite city before I moved here, before I moved to 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 Baldwin to Baldwin Village, I would absolutely say that Baldwin Oakland, Hills. Baldwin Hills. I think it's, is this Baldwin Hills cuz 
I think they keep on the map. It says Baldwin Village, but either way, when I moved to the that Crenshaw might be the area, name of a, a, a like a complex. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, as I said, I'm new to the area. <laughs> Very new to the area. Like not even two months into the area yet. But um, I love this place, man. This is a, a this is a community. I definitely want to build my family here. But anyway, Oakland was the first city that invited me in and treated me really well. You know what I mean? Like Oakland, Oakland was great. Like if you go to Oakland and you are authentic and you show love to to the people, the people show you love. You know, it is it's the hood. So protect your neck, nigga. Like don't be <laughs> fucking stupid. But you know the streets will love you if you love the streets. Real shit, you know what I mean? Like Yeah, for sure. What makes the streets really dangerous is the individuals. You know what I mean? Is is it's the people who don't follow the rules. You know what I mean? It's not the people who follow the, the street rules who, who who are the problem. It's the niggas who pretend to follow street rules and then break those street rules and then fuck it up for everybody else. You know what I mean? And so in Oakland, I really got a, a sense for that because I went up to Oakland. I paid respects. I showed a lot of love. And they showed me a lot of love because there was a lot of situations that could have been dangerous in Oakland for me that... Because I took the right precautions, nothing happened. Everything was copacetic. And I could really appreciate a place that 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 reaffirms that. Because I had been, you know, I'd been very street adjacent my whole life, as I said. Never before have had I gone to do something in the hood that was lucrative enough for somebody else to want it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was an interesting, interesting time. And and not for nothing, that was also a very profitable time in my life, too. And so given that, the problem with that is, is that I didn't have any of my close people with me. In the end, when you're when you're in that life, it, it's a very paranoia inducing thing. You know what I mean? When the person closest to me at the time had parted ways to go to go do her thing. And the people who were directly closest to me weren't people that I particularly trusted in that way. And so it, it led to a long period of isolation in which I had, it in that time, I got the opportunity to move down to L.A. Now, that's about after, I think, four years in Oakland, three, three years in Oakland. And man, not for nothing, I really did appreciate those three years in Oakland. I learned a lot. It was a good time. Definitely. Um. I'm not even going to, I can't even put, I'm not even going to, because it was East Oakland. I will just give the general area. Nah, because I don't got respect like that to be putting out a street name. So I'm not going to. Right, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, that was, that was good. But I then moved down to Los Angeles, uh, at which time I decided to to move more into the academic side of things. And I started working at a library. Which that was another eye-opening experience. I very much I learned a lot of of skills at that library that that were good for me. You know what I mean. But at the same token, I can't stand that environment. Gosh, man, talk about like failing the, the upwards. Corporate environment or like the yeah, the corporate environment. It was the corporate end of the environment because otherwise, the library is such a low impact place. It could lead to a very idyllic workplace. Like I if you imagine. go to a library and there's like, and it's not running well, it's because of the people, 100% <laughs> the people. And when I say the people, I mean the people working at the library, like trash librarians are a thing. 
um, the LA County system and the LA um, city system alike are way too bureaucratic. Um, they are just pretty much archives. They are effective archives, but they are not. I don't think that they are really great at the ancillary um, benefits of having a library um, or such a well-connected library in such a large community. But um, with that being said, uh, man, there's so many projects that I would love to start around um, doing more localized book archive type things rather than large library settings, because those are, those are really um, lucrative hotbeds for people to learn. And, and, and it's not like specific learning. It's not like book learning. Like you can learn anything in the proper public. And that's something that like, that's one thing I, I, I don't typically fuck with things that chance does, but his work with the library in Chicago, that, that main library, um, don't remember which branch it is, but he does a lot of work with one of the large libraries in Chicago that you, it, you could easily Google it and find out um, that that place, the kind of learning and, and, and education that goes on there in all manners of, 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 of fields. Like it's not just like learning the classical academic knowledge that people traditionally think that you learn in schools. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the like library a information center. Yeah, you know what I mean? And um they're great for self-directed learning. And not for nothing, it's it's a better place than a school when it comes to to people who have diverse learning styles. You know what I mean? Schools do not handle diverse learning styles well at all. You know what I mean? And so it, it, libraries can serve a huge niche. And I think that that's where the, the, the public libraries fail a lot of times. But you see a huge, huge, huge amount of that in the private libraries. But anyway, sorry, didn't mean to tangent <laughs> off on that. I really enjoyed my time at the library. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that had to come to its end actually right before the Roni hit. But then, you know... That segues into here I am with you guys now talking shit on the mic. And so that's just a real rough draft of, of my life. Just give you guys some background, my education, you know what I mean? Some life experiences that that might help you have a little bit better of an understanding as to why I might have some of the perspectives that I do. They don't come out of nowhere. They do come from <laughs> I, I and and not for nothing, that broad those broad strokes of my life I gave were filled with a lot of experiences you know and you know s stories i'll tell as we go you know hopefully you guys will find them as interesting as i found them when i was in the midst of them because boy yeah i got some stories <laughs> but yeah you you want to you want to jump on the mic a little bit you know spit a little oh, bit yeah. about the life my um my life uh, uh story is much more abridged for me like i was uh, i was born in jamaica in manchester Actually, and I'm on the still Mandeville Hospital. No, no. But <laughs> um, I came up when I was uh, I came up when I was ten, July fifth, nineteen ninety five. Uh, so technically, I was nine. But um, already too much information. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I came up when I was when I was ten. Um, it was pretty interesting transition for me. Um, I, I in Jamaica, I was. I'm pretty sure I was very. Oh, no, I wouldn't say very, but around people, I was I was fairly extroverted in Jamaica. Like I had a big group of friends and and all that stuff. But when I came to America, I became 
uh, isolated. Not necessarily, I, I guess it was just more so due to the fact that I was just so different from the world and I had no way of really like parsing that or no way of handling that. And I didn't really have a, a strong familial support system to really help me navigate that. So I was pretty much an introvert for most of my, my high school times and stuff. So yeah, um, we met, like you mentioned, we met in, in high school in plant, but we never really like, we never really, really became friends until like after I'd left for the army and came back. And then after I started hanging out with the crew more, that's when we all started like, um, uh, really well then again it even made more sense because i wasn't and in high school i was a very incomplete person like i was just like you know, i was just newsflash <laughs> everyone is but yeah that's true but i was yeah. just i had i i was such you were a, a lot more aware of your incompleteness than everyone else's <laughs> i actually no i was no i'm saying now you are yeah 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 now it was back then i didn't know what the hell the issue was i, I just i was i just i was like i don't fit in so i'm not gonna try to fit in so it's weird you know in those years you you tend to think like man this this person has it all together and that person has it all together but then when you get older you're like not only did none of them have it all together but none of the adults <laughs> had it together and none of the people around you now have yep. it together and maybe you so, found a handful of people who have it together and those are the people you try to call friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's weird. But when you're in there, when you're in high school, you're like, man, I wish I could do all that stuff yep. that this guy is doing. It's yep. like, everybody nah, seems man. like they're just moving through life. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people yeah, seem yeah. like they're moving through life, like super, super comfortably. And I was just like full of uncertainty. So that led me to, um, going in JRTC in high school, which led me to join in the army by accident after high school. And, yeah, it was actually pretty funny. Like, I don't really answer the phone. I was living with my aunt at the time, and the phone is in her name, and I didn't give the phone number out to anyone. So anyone who calls was calling for her, my aunt. And I never really answered the phone because I knew this fact. And one day, just randomly, I was like, I guess I'll answer the phone. And there was a recruiter. She was like, you want to join the Army? And I was just like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing. Sure, I'll come down. Let's see what you're talking about. And, yeah, it was like, um, like I'm... Either that visit or the subsequent visit, I had signed the contract and I was um, off to the military shortly thereafter. But that was an interesting uh, a couple of years. <laughs> that was an interesting year, uh, a few years for me. Um, I got deployed once, um, stationed in Alaska. That was fun. Alaska was um, fairly interesting for me because... As I am now, I was then very much so a homebody, so I did not really explore Alaska very much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, Jamaicans in Alaska don't tend yeah, to explore no, no. nothing but You're their bedroom. Me? Exactly. It was way too cold for that. I went from from my room to formation, back to my room, back to work, and to get groceries. And that was pretty much it for like the entire like couple of years I was out over there. And then after Alaska... Um, I came back back to Florida. Um, I was more, more instead of back from Alaska. It was more like back from Iraq because I left Iraq in uh, what is that March of of um, 07. and I was ETS, which is exiting time of service. I was I was on vacation to leave the army in June, and I was enrolled in the Art Institute in July. So like I was I was I was done with the whole thing. And I went back home to Florida, uh, which ended up being 
kind of regretful for me, really. I sp- ended up spending the next 10 years trying to figure out how to leave Florida, but that's more so, more so because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was sort of like crashing into that realization without really understanding what that's what was happening. Like, I had a lot of plans, and I had a lot of like, okay, maybe I should do this, or maybe I should do that, but when it actually came time to do these things, I just felt myself really, really unfulfilled with everything that I was trying to do, and for me, it was very, very important that I find my own way because I felt like I live my life sort of trying to living up to everyone's expectations, what I think I should do based on what I perceive other people would want me to do. And I felt like that led me to Iraq. So I completely absconded of that whole entire train of thought. So yeah, new plan, new plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I became like, like uh, uh, modern Rico is really, really stubborn. It's really hard to like get me to do things because I've just become like, I I have a very distinct understanding of what I think I am and what like I want my life to be. And I, I, a lot of times I feel like other people don't have enough information about me to really give advice about my life to me. Like I, you may understand the situation I'm going through, but you might not understand how exactly I'm processing it without, which would, I think would be the big difference. So after, um, uh, I left after I went to the Art Institute, um, pretty much like bummed around there for like five years. Um, met a lot of dope people, learned a lot of awesome things. But uh, initially I went there for game design. And when that program fell through because all the teachers needed, it went the school went through an accreditation issue and all the teachers from the Graymart program ended up leaving or they ended up having, they couldn't teach anymore because they didn't have master's degrees. So I was like, well, since the game art lost all its best teacher and all those guys actually making video games, they have their own company in Florida and shit. I'd rather go to illustration rather than go to a bunch of these, like, basically textbook teachers. You know what I mean? I'd rather be taught by the people who are doing the thing rather than someone who just sort of like, you're quickly getting in here to replace the ones that you just got rid of last semester. So I switched over to illustration because I've been like, um, like a pencil artist since I was since a long, long time, since I was a little kid. So I did illustration for a while and eventually that's, that also, that wasn't it. So I was, I just, that stopped and I was like, yo, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? What am I going to do? Like I was just lost is the best way I can put that. I was lost. And so I began an epic journey of introspection and self-discovery and it was really just it wasn't even really intentional it was just I just disconnected from the world I just stopped I just stopped I stopped running on autopilot I stopped just um compulsively moving forward essentially and I stopped evaluated what I wanted to do with my life and eventually I was like yo I think I want to do like voice acting and shit because I've been that's that's like the one thing that I've been doing my whole life, not just doing voices, but I've always had like a really, really um, strong connection to like diction and stuff like that, especially from story from a storytelling perspective and all that other stuff. I really, really, really appreciated the voice actors and things like you remember from a couple of weeks ago, I was telling you about Spawn and stuff and how Keith David like was a what was a big influence on me way back then. I mean, it's still now, but it was just one of those things where it was like. After really, really sitting and thinking about it, I was like, yo, this is actually what I want to do. So I eventually made a plan to come to California. Well, I didn't make a plan to come to California. I was like, I'm moving to California because the only way I could be a voice actor the way that I want to be, to be in the games that Mm -hmm. I be playing and shit, 
like I have to move to LA. So that began uh that began me just being like, yo, how the fuck do I get to LA and live there from where I am right now? And yeah, it took me like five years. Well, no, it took me like ten years total, but I figured it out. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm out here in LA now, which is cool. I still, as soon as um, I actually got everything ready so I can actually start going to voice acting classes and shit, Ronnie's like, hey, you want to chill the fuck out though? Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much been my journey, you know, like uh, from Jamaica to Florida to Alaska to a couple other places. And back you know, and I kind of feel a little bit shitty. Last year, I, I I totally didn't talk about the last year of my life. <laughs> I, my son was born. <laughs> Give a shout out to Kendrick, DJ Kendrick. Nah, I, just, I, I was like, yo, What's hold on, did I just tell the story of my life and not Without mention him? Yeah. Like, I love his mom. Don't get me wrong, but if I tell the story of my life and I don't include her, like, that's like bad. But how you can tell the life, my story of my life, and not include him? That's just bad fatherhood <laughs> shit. So anyway, let me just amend that before it gets too far away, and I really feel like a shit bag. <laughs> Last year, my son was born, and that that I was so precipitated why I left the the library was to be a stay at home dad. So yeah I, I was like wow did i really just tail off with that <laughs> man talk about talk about talk about driving the whole court and then fumbling out of bounds and just uh, landing in the shit. crowd and then injuring yourself like oh it's like yo you left out the, the best most part. important part like for real nigga like what the That's fuck am funny. i thinking i feel like wow nigga. hey man He's new, you know what I mean? You just got him. It is crazy, dude. <laughs> like, the first year of fatherhood is like, is this real? Yo, I saw this one meme one time when it was just like, yo, how the fuck am I supposed to know about my son? I got shoes older than this nigga or some shit like that. Bruh. <laughs> no, I absolutely own things way older than him. Because I'm like, you know, you know how Jamaican people take care of your things. So all my yeah. shit's last. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? So all my shit is super problems. old. Jamaican people are like, like a few steps away from being hoarders, my nigga. Like we, we just be like. I don't think there's any steps away from. No, 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 no. No, you say that. I think like <laughs> immediately of my grandfather in his basement. Yeah. Yo, my G. The the amount of shit in my grandfather's basement. I it, it took like a professional crew, like a week to get through his Damn, basement. Son. A pro crew, my Damn, G, son. working eight hour days. And you Multiple never, Negroes ever convince him to get rid of any of that shit. Oh no, no, nah, I might need it for something. He, no, he was old and couldn't stop them when my when when his children decided like it's time to clean this fucking house. That's dude. funny because he was about to keep that shit forever and like, ever and ever. It's kind of like me recently when we moved over here. I brought my uh, my broken PS3, and I was like, I, I kept it on my desk for like a week before I threw it away. And I was like, I'm not gonna pay to get this fixed. <laughs> no, not at all. So, but I, it was still a little bit hard for me to just throw oh, it away now, right dude, away. Dude, okay, see, and and that's why I usually, if I purchase something, I. I will splurge and buy the top of the line version of it because if, if, if it's can, like electronics, yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. or anything for that matter, I will buy the mm-hmm. expensive, durable, extra mm-hmm. good model because I'm going to keep that bitch for a decade. Yep. Like I, I, my my computer was a top of the line computer from 2012. 
<laughs> but no, but yo, this shit still runs at three point. You know, it, it still runs very well for what I'm using it for. It's got a solid state hard drive. That's now right. imagine a solid, solid state, state hard drive in 2012. Yeah, it must be tiny. Oh, it's minuscule. Yeah, it's maybe 128 gigs. That's why, like, I that's why I haven't bought a, a solid state yet. I was like, yeah, wait till the technology gets better, man. Oh, it's there, it's but because they have terabyte solid states now. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When I did my last upgrade on my computer, they were. Asking ridiculous prices for, I was like, bro, I can't put nothing on like 128. I'm gonna run out in seconds. Fuck that. Oh yeah, like phones are 128. You realize that now, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. My, exactly. There's a phone that literally exactly. is as powerful as my computer was when I made it top of the line That's in 2012. Insane. Any, but yeah, um, my my laptop's even older than that. But you know, those items were top of the line when I bought them, and they lasted. They're you know what I mean? Better. So planned obsolescence bullshit. Oh yeah, no, nah, I don't give nah, like, more and more vigilant. Nah, about. be I don't I don't believe in that. Fuck all that, bro. Like, I I am the like the thing is is like don't I'm a good consumer. Mm-hmm. Not for nothing. I hate the fact that if you were to objectively analyze my behavior, you'd be like, oh no, he's a good consumer. Mm-hmm. Because even though I do not partake in any production cycle that includes planned obsolescence. I have brand loyalty. Like, if you produce a product I like and treat me meh, vaguely well, <laughs> I'll I will buy that shit like it's fucking heroin, my G. Yeah. Like, like, like I have no choice but to buy. I don't know. It's it just I I you know what I mean. Like, for a long time, I was a, I was a a big fan of Volkswagen. I had like four Volkswagens back to back to back to back to back. I was just. It, it, I felt like, and then, then they were like, oh yeah, we've been cheating on all them tests and all. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, see, man. I used to be an avid That's Apple. I, man, from 2000, I want to say 2005 to 2000, 2005 to 2013, I pretty much exclusively used Apple products. And then I was like, then I found out these niggas wasn't paying their taxes, and I was like, you know what? Fuck y'all, niggas, bro. Like, oh, I'm not moving to Ireland. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, if you're not gonna pay your taxes, don't pay your taxes. But then don't move to Ireland and say I'm an Irish. <laughs> this is our new headquarters like, get the now. Fuck out of my face, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I live black in America. I know what it's. I know what it's like to be shit on. I get it. But don't lie to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. that's the that's the shit that be. Don't then shit on me because they're shitting on you. And then tell me, oh no, that's just rain. Yeah, nah, be. Yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed the little rundown. Um, just a little bit about us, give you some perspective. So when I'm over here ranting and raving, you can understand. Like it comes from a semi-educated background. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I, you know, I I know something on something. Not a lot on a lot, but you know, I I don't I don't like being duped i don't like when people say dumb shit to me and expect me to believe it you know what i mean that, yeah. that's the shit that gets me frustrated but anyway so yeah let's move on to some topics for this episode before we wrap up um yo i'm really looking forward to the new run the jewels for bro oh nice bro. i didn't know they were making a new project oh, i'm so that's excited the tracks i've heard out of it are stupid yeah man um because uh you know LP and Killer Mike 
trying to do their best to help keep people entertained while we stuck inside. Yeah. And so they even live, they've been releasing, um, just, you know, songs and shit. And then the, the announcement came and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, do that. But yo, the announcement honestly, came and then I honestly, came. yo, like fucking Eminem, nigga, LP is the illest white rapper out. <laughs> if you, if we're going to have a category called white rappers, LP is the best one. I, 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 I challenge you to name a better white rapper than LP. I'll, 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 if there was a cockfight and then, and the chicken had a picture of a rapper's face on it, I, LP would be the rapper on, on my, uh, chicken's face. I was but about to say um, something else. I was like, you know what? Nah. I'm but what about it. Machine Gun Kelly? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that shit, fire. Fire, fire, fire. That's disrespectful. It was disrespectful <laughs> you to say Machine Gun Kelly. How, what, what the fuck are you talking about? But um, oh, yo, uh, Nori did another fire interview. Um, did we talk about um that he did an interview with Lamar Odom? No, we didn't. Cause you know Nori has drink champs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Love the premise, love the everything. You know, sometimes I think he adulates the men too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? The liquor probably helps. Yo, my nigga. Yo, they drank hard for two hours and 45 minutes. I could never do that shit. Bro, if I drink hard for 35 minutes. Never, never, never. Nigga, you know what kind of interview you're getting out of me? (laughs) Bruh. But originally, you know, there was a little bit of like, Lamar Odom has an obvious, has an addiction, has a public addiction problem. His addiction issues have been you know known but then again i don't know if he has addiction issues or if he was around people that would call any kind of drug use addiction but they would never be self-aware enough to realize that they have their own addictions i'm talking about the kardashians you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i don't know if that was a storyline for them and maybe lamar odom is not addicted which would make a lot more sense if that would make a lot more sense because he didn't behave like an addicted person during this interview. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Even when yo, my dude, he was coherent. Even if you slowed down, like you could tell he was slowing down and slurring a bit, but he was completely coherent in terms of the thoughts he was putting out. He was, you know, my uh, of mine, and so he didn't strike me as somebody who had. Well, I, I don't know, maybe an addiction problem. He struck me as somebody who doesn't articulate himself well, typically, and so lets people run with shit that they say because it's easier for him just to <laughs> do whatever the fuck he wants to do. Because most of the time, his priority is, yo, how do I stay in shape to play basketball? Yeah, All that other shit? Fine. Yeah, Talk about it. I don't give a fuck. I'm that a grown-ass nigga from work. Queens. You know what I mean? I'm one of the top niggas... From my from my block and my block has produced greats. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he's good money. Lamar Odom has nothing to prove to anyone. You know what I mean? And he's done dumb shit to stunt just because he can't. That nigga's rich on rich on rich. <laughs> he is a basketball player, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like Well, he's in like a, a famous basketball. And he's a player. successful one. Yeah. It, it's not you know what I mean? Like Carmelo Anthony is a famous basketball player. Lamar Odom is a successful basketball player. Uh, and I don't say that to be to, to, to slight Carmelo. Carmelo's an extremely talented player. But when it terms of comes to terms of like success, you know what I mean? 
I like I wouldn't say this podcast is successful yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but in terms of success, he's not there. He doesn't hit the accolades or the benchmarks that Lamar Odom has. Lamar Odom, yeah, he said he he was out there. Some nigga was talking. Some football player was talking shit to him, and so he bought seventy five bottles for the club. God damn, that's a lot. That's like racks on racks on racks. Yeah, that's it's a lot of money. Seventy five bottles. Finished seventy five bottle bottles of like large liquor in my entire lifetime. No, 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 no. no. I haven't. Well, yes, I have. Damn, yo, you remember back at the old spot? All them liquor bottles. Yeah. <laughs> when I first moved to LA, the graveyard. I was uh I was I was celebrating the spoils of war. And so uh <laughs> we went through a hard couple of months, hard times crew. That's when I initiated into there. And boy, man, we partied hard for several months. There was a lot of liquor bottles. So I wouldn't say I wouldn't I've definitely drank 75 liquor bottles. <laughs> Not my personal, but definitely gone through that many, but not at one time. Yeah, no. that's no, no, no. That was That's like several months of partying for me. He just said, yo, buy them bottles and throw them out for the club. Yo, hey, shut this nigga up with them 75 I bottles. I know, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you hit him with every one of them. <laughs> that would be some shit, wouldn't Special it? Special delivery. Just graze his forehead with each bottle. <laughs> Bing. That would suck. Oh, but yeah, no. Um, I bring that up to say it was a great interview. Nori... Nor so, there was a little bit of controversy about drinking with somebody who had a who supposedly has a drug uh, an addiction issue. Nori said that he doesn't. He's like, I listen. If you drink, you a grown man, which is technically that was no one beat him in the head and told him to 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 drink. You know what I mean? Like he yeah, wanted to drink, and, and called, he handled his liquor very well. It's you know called what I mean? drink champs too. You know, it's yeah. not like it's tea champs, and all of a sudden that, he started slipping. I, I, I think that that's what it. the I think that that's what the, the hypersensitive uh, were saying was, oh, why would you even? You know, honestly, like I I kind of felt the argument at first, but after watching the interview, that's another thing is I wasn't gonna let them stop me from watching my nigga Nori. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Listen, Nori, Nori, Nori could be like, yo, up next on Drink Champs, Harvey and Weinstein. I'm like, I'm gonna have to see what he's doing. I gotta see what he's doing here. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, but um, so yeah, I, I watched it, and after watching it, there was no problem with Lamar Odom drinking. I mean, I'm sure he had a driver. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> like he was. After that hard drinking, I pray he had a driver, yo, because they were smashing them. Yeah, they were they, they they drink like a bottle of Tiger Bone, like they were not wow, fucking around, bro. I like to just keep it tipsy. Speaking of interviews, did you see um Butch's interview with um Mm-mm. Winford Williams uh, uh no, for I, on stage? I'm aware of it. I did not see it. Yeah, it was pretty good. It's, it's actually a forty something minute interview. It's, it's pretty good. He's talking about like artists and stuff in Jamaica and. Pretty much what he's gonna do going forward. He doesn't want to talk about the past too much, understandably. Yeah. So it, it was actually a pretty, a pretty dope interview, man. Yeah, Shout I out to you. He's 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 doing a lot. Apparently, he's dropping an album coming up soon, so that should be mm. gangster. Yo, forward to that definitely looking forward to that. The, the couple new songs that he's dropped so far, I've been feeling. But no, I, I wanted to. I brought up the the Nori interview because you know Lamar was on the Clippers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. under Donald Sterling. <laughs> Do you remember we had a conversation about that? Yeah. And I said that I think that Donald Sterling wanted to sell the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Well, Lamar Odom was just, you know, spilling the tea. And he was like, yo, that nigga wasn't paying players. Players would refuse to come off the bus. Like, 
that team was going to crumble. So I knew, I told you, he wanted to sell that team. If you're not paying your players and the players aren't even willing to come out of the tunnel to play your games, you don't want that team. That That's not a functional team. You know what I mean? I think yeah, that, yeah. that lends some evidence to what I was saying. Like, that man was getting rid of that team. He wasn't keeping that. Um, but, yeah, it's just ancillary evidence to, to one of my conspiracy theories because they're... Who knows? But um, it was a really good interview overall. It was fucking two hours and forty five minutes though. So, <laughs> and and I gotta say, the last forty minutes of it was a <laughs> well, just a imagine mess. it was a drunken mess. Cause think about so, it. So how driven? The funny part was that EFN was was usually the level headed one. That nigga, shout out to EFN by the way, much appreciated for making that uh, intro beat for us or. Letting us cut that intro beat out of uh, one of his songs, yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, let's move on to some uh, current events, and then we'll wrap up here today. It was a sad day for civil rights, so you might remember a couple episodes, more than a couple episodes um, back. I was talking about Byron Allen and his uh, c- civil rights suit that he's bringing up that. Um, content creators that have mostly um, black content are being uh, excluded from deals on network television uh, or for um, with Comcast and different television providers. Um, He did lose that suit. And so the Supreme Court will be adjudicating probably more in favor of corporations' right to discriminate uh, against content based solely on race. And so um, I just want to point that out in this, because this is really timely right now. It's real timely right now. Um, This is going to hurt black and brown communities. Um, This pandemic response this civil rights suit it's gonna be a lot of wealth and hardship brought onto these communities because of stuff like this and uh just i just bring that up to say hey prepare yourself because they was they want to sit here and ridicule people who are more interested in keeping their life going than than you know uprooting everything that they have going on for you know something that evidently everyone's going to get anyway. So it's, you know, it's, it's sad. And I, it's one of those things that, you know, we see positive trends in gaming. And so we're hopeful for the future. I don't see a lot of positive trends in, you know, race relations in America. I don't see a lot of positive trends in them. And that's, and, and it's sad because it, it's so fake. It's such, it's such, it's, something that no longer is relevant you gotta understand like racism in america is constructed for a reason in the beginning racism was important for america because it's how they got a the public to be okay with the enslavement of africans and b it's how they destroyed african communities by getting them to think that they were less than their other counterparts their other human counterparts it was a very important idea for them to insinuate 
into people's minds. And unfortunately, when you do something like that, when you when you create an ideology based around something like that, you cannot tell them that it's for capitalism. You can't tell them <laughs> that we need you to be okay with us enslaving these people because our entire economic system is based off of free labor. And the free labor that is generated by them is enjoyed by you. And and don't even get it twisted. They knew exactly how much that that quote unquote free labor was because they hey, they paid to bring them over here. They paid to, to, to keep them alive in this squalor. And, and they put dollar values on every part of these people's lives. And they and that's how they valued those people. And the only way they can justify that is to make people think that they were less than or not human. And so that is where race originates in America. And so it is the fundamental part of its econ- economics. In this global world, race doesn't. Did you ever, you ever see how it's weird how race only became a, a, a negative thing in America, or or the racism of America only became negative in their eyes when they became global, mm-hmm. as America globalized and then it wasn't their entire economy wasn't based around you know the subjugation of that that free workforce. As it moved away from that and into the global workforce, it starts to all of a sudden say, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't have treated those people like trash. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and so it's it's sad that even in this state, as far as we've gotten on, they've they've brainwashed people so deeply into these ideas of race that they can't even stop and say, hey, you know what? Thanks, guys. We won the game, by the way. You know what? The game of capitalism, we beat the world. We captured the whole system. We captured all the governments. We captured all the people's minds. We, we, we've captured all the, the distribution routes. We've kept, global capital has won. It exists. It is there. It is organizing everything in our lives. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't have to have races in it anymore. But Americans refuse to let go of their racist roots and and it's and it's starting to come to a head because it's starting to cause dumbasses like trump to be put in power and then what happens when you have a a dumbass like trump who's elevated pretty much because of the racism of the country pretty much because of the racism of the country and now you have a pandemic and he's been so focused on his his political chicanery because he doesn't give a shit about most of that stuff he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, bro. He wants his companies to reopen back yeah. so he can continue making money. He doesn't money. give a shit. That's what he wants. That's you the only know? thing he cares about right now. And he does. He he wants to also people associating bad press. You with know, his name. the racist installed a fool, and now they're reaping the fucking benefits of it. And it's Facts. like, you know, guys, come on, this doesn't make any sense. Like, let's just start organizing a little bit better. You know, because. I don't think you've noticed, but the American workforce doesn't revolve around exploiting poor black people anymore. It really doesn't. I don't I, I, I don't see that as the productive sector. You know what I mean? Like the mortgage and loan crisis is the last time that I saw like people profiting off of stealing directly from poor black people. But there's there's so little and it's part of why <clears throat> black people keep their capital so in such high velocity because there's so many things in our environment 
that will fucking usurp your capital from you, your your money. And when I say capital, I really mean money. Capital and money are not the same thing. But, you know, people tend to spend their money faster when they think that there's always something that's going to take it from them. And so they much rather spend it on something they want yep. than save it and have it taken from them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like we have to start removing these pressures from the environment so that people can can really because there's no reason there's no reason you know what i mean like i mean unless unless we really are the juice of the whole economy like the whole economy revolves off of the fact that black people do not hold on to any of their money and in that case okay i guess that is one reason as to why they would still remain racist but it's like you know there's several way to do things, you know, and this is something that I was going to bring up later. I'm kind of just ranting now, but um, moving on into uh, another topic that I was going to talk about was China and Africa. China has what they call the Belt and the Road strategy in which they invest in infrastructure in Africa so that they can exploit it. Which is the exact opposite of what America does, which is destabilize a country so that they can go in and take what they want. You see what I'm saying? So let's use like the Democratic Congo, uh, Republic of the Congo, for example. There's nothing Democratic and there's nothing Republican <laughs> about that that area. There's nothing. It is a it is a land controlled by warring factions, and that is fomented and supported by America at every turn. They do not support any stabilizing structure. They will never build a road. They'll never build a school. They'll never build a hospital. They'll build triage units and they'll, they'll, they'll fake like they are and they'll get NGOs and private organizations. But the actual American aid that's going there will never actually build infrastructure. It will always come in the form of a CIA agent that is destabilizing it in some way, shape or form to exploit. Whereas China is going to send city planners to your to your country. And they're and they're the only thing they're going to invest first in is the roads. I don't give a fuck what's going on. I don't care if it's the RUF using the roads. I don't care if it's, you know, rent they don't care. But then the next thing that they're going to in, you know invest in is city infrastructure. Things like that. Now, with that being said, they're only investing in these things so that they can make money off of them. But that's way better than making money off of selling arms to warring leaders. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, they're, they're both attempting to do the same thing, extract whatever raw resource or money resources in that area, one way or another, either by selling you guns and taking the money out or or that you could choose the China approach and I can, you can, pay me to build roads and then buildings and then I'll send Chinese people there to open up stores and then your people can send them. You know what I mean? Like one way is going to lead to a lot more rising boats than the other. You know what I mean? So you don't have to practice capitalism the American way. You can practice capitalism with, you know, your best interest in mind and not the destruction of the other person in mind. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that. That that's something that that I would love to see to like if if America is going to remain in this bullshit capital system, at least practice it in a way that doesn't require the destruction of everything around you. Now, yeah, that 
calls for dealing with your deeply entrenched military and your deeply entrenched financial systems, your deeply entrenched pharmaceutical uh, industries. But, you know, once you deal with those things, yes, there's going to be a lot of pain involved with all those things. But once you deal with those things, you can actually have a functioning country. But this country, man, I don't know, man. I always, I, I am self-sufficient enough to know that functioning i'll leave that to the i'll leave that to the people who participate in it to determine but i i from the from where i'm sitting don't find it to be completely functional it, it stays afloat i mean you know it sucks i've been watching a lot of um well not watching a lot of the typical late night shows i don't know why but it, these guys all are trying to be john stewart they're more they're taking the news way too seriously. Like, listen. Yeah, I get it. You don't want to joke about coronavirus because it's a serious pandemic that's seriously going on right now. Fine. Then joke about other shit. You know what I mean? No one's saying you have to make jokes about that. But if it seems weird that instead of doing your job, which is to go on TV and make jokes, you're just going to go on TV well, I would say just don't go on, like, just stop your show if you're going to be there somberly staring into the camera, deadpan the whole fucking time. Like, who was doing that? Yo, like, Seth Myers is doing that. Colbert is doing that. I don't want, like, I usually watch those guys because I find them entertaining, but, like, none of these late night show guys, like, they all want to do the John Stewart thing where they're doing the socially mindful thing, and it's like, bro. <laughs> no one no one believes the media no one believes the government no one's sure is how gonna believe you about what's going on with coronavirus and making fun of trump is just old fair now like geez guys like it, it's gotten really boring on those shows and it's like what what's going on i can imagine <laughs> it sucks man but um oh man they've, they've i guess they've officially well this is the um pompeo um defense department has has uh declared venezuela as a narco state yeah 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 yeah. it's time for american intervention in the middle of a pandemic why don't we start a war priorities bro come on oh man priorities oh i love to see that Mm -hmm. nothing will stop america's ability to go abroad and shoot people like that shit it's like really it's time for an intervention. this is the time to make a to, to to declare them a narco state like really but mind you, they will. America itself is a narco state because of fucking. It flooded the world with with oxycotton. You know, for Purdue Pharma is an international company, mind you. Every single country can absolutely level that same claim against America. But yeah, they're gonna come over here and say, "Oh, uh, Maduro in Venezuela is trying to to flood our country with with illegal drugs." Like, come on, man. I don't think anyone actually well. Nah, it's Pompeo. He's he's an established liar as well. So absolutely, yeah. but it, it, and I was gonna say I don't think anyone actually believes him. But I'm like, no, I I know I definitely know dinguses that believe him. <laughs> I definitely know stupid uh, stuff. Well, believe him. you know, um, cult members will follow the cult leaders. That's what Gotta they drink do. The Kool Aid, feel me? They didn't arrive at that place by logic, Cree, so you can't use logic to get them out. That, that's very true. And that's something that I've definitely tried to to prevent myself from doing is like, oh, here, 
you know, this person isn't thinking logically. Let me provide them the logical solution to what they were looking at. No, they didn't. They decided not to lose lot, not to use logic on purpose. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to use logic because logic would dictate that what they're doing is stupid. <laughs> and so they needed to find another way to rationalize what they were doing. Feel me. They got to avoid that. Um, that, that negative feedback loop in their head. They got to avoid that at all costs. Oh, God forbid. They actually just do better. Oh, Cause I would end the feedback loop immediately, but nah, I rather sit here in denial. Yep. Yo, the sand is really comfortable around my ears. You know what I mean? When I stick my head in the sand, it's super warm and cozy. Mm, then we love it. Ignorance is not bliss though. <laughs> Don't believe that at all. But yeah, <clears throat> lastly, I guess we'll just chat a bit about the failing person, uh, individual bailout that's supposed to be coming. <laughs> so pretty much, Congress passed a corporate bailout package, which is exactly what they said they were, you know, like, it's what we hope they wouldn't do, you know, which is give trillions of dollars to to failing industries um, who resist any attempt at being, you know, held accountable for what they've done or for, for operating in a way that's in the best interest of the people who are now stakeholders, essentially. And, you know, they, they've passed some really shitty unemployment assurances and, you know, one-time $1,200 checks. You know, no rent forbearances, so everyone's rent still due on the first. You know, nothing that pushes back any kind of obligations to account for the fact that the, that the you know, the economy is on freeze, essentially. And so, you know, just, you know miss me with the vote your politicians bullshit like none of these people are doing anything and see this is where cities could really step it up because your city could put through ordinances to stop all this stuff and then the city using it sizably more leverage than an individual could then go to the government and say you need to pay us back because we did all of this shit to save our citizens and we managed to stave off a crisis they have a lot more leverage to go cuomo has a lot more leverage than we do but they're not going to do that cuomo cuomo would, would much rather line the pockets of those rich people instead of de- help the fucking public stay afloat you know what i mean in this time of tragedy but you know that is where it is Hopefully, in the next few months, people can hold out, keep your heads up, don't stress. You know, hopefully, you know, you get a little bit of solace. And I'm going to try to come with some more upbeat. I'm going to try to come with more good news and conversation from now on. <laughs> nah, nah, because this time don't need me to be. Nah, I feel bad because, like, I want to be entertaining and I keep talking about that shit. But you know what? I think that that's what I want to be my goal in this time for the next two months that we're in this shit you know the next this whole next season that i'm producing should going to be taking place in quarantine for most people so i want to do a better job of trying to bring you know just better conversation and internet entertainment to you guys while we're stuck indoors yeah 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 but yeah i think we're going to wrap on that i appreciate you guys for sitting here and listening to us bullshit about ourselves it's always uh it's always a good time with you guys but yeah yeah you know it's comfortable hang out and chill yeah, so uh, follow us on the Twitters. Watch me berate people for no reason in public. At Home Heron. Let's start some beef. 
Now you can check me out on Instagram, Rico underscore G Sound on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, that's the social medias. That's the social medias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's a word for you guys. Always remember, time is only wasted if you choose to waste it. And always learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly do learn from. Thank you for joining us, guys, and have a great one. Take it easy.